Welcome back to the Assemblage Wine Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Shoemaker. This podcast is based on a poll that was posted on our social media asking you all what you would like us to speak on. After reviewing the results, you all have decided on a podcast on wine buying and collecting. I have some experience in this, and I have received some great questions on this topic, which I will answer later in the podcast. The things I will be explaining include the best ways to get started in collecting, what to buy, how much to buy, and much more. Before you start your collection, you should really consider a couple things. Um, the first thing that you should kind of consider is it going to be a personal collection that you're just enjoying with your friends, your family, yourself, or is it going to be something that you're potentially going to want to sell as an investment um, someday? I'm going to kind of concentrate more on the personal side of collecting and not so much on the investment side. Um, just due to I'm more familiar with the personal side, but I'll talk a little bit later about the um, the investment and the, the potential reselling of your collection later on. Once you've kind of decided what kind of seller or collection you want to have, you really need to establish a budget. Um, the budget could be weekly, it could be monthly, it could be yearly on what you're going to spend on wine. Whatever that number is, Great, just try and stick to it and don't try and spend more more money than you're, you're willing to spend on wine. Um, the second thing that you should consider once you determine what kind of collection you're gonna have, what um, your budget is, the, the next thing you should really consider is space um, for your wine. You really need a space that's going to be, you know, pretty dark. Uh, the temperature needs to be pretty specific, the humidity, um, and you need to be able to lay all your um, wines down on the side. So space is probably one of the most important aspects of, of collecting and where you're going to put your wine. If you don't have a lot of space um, in your house, if you don't have a wine cellar, a place that you could build a wine cellar, Maybe consider just starting small. Start with two cases, three cases, buy a small fridge off of Amazon or Best Buy that you could get for a couple hundred bucks. Uh, they don't take up a lot of space. They're really nice and they do their job. If a larger collection, say 100, 500, 1,000 bottles is more what you're looking for and you're, you're really going to need um, a pretty large space to have a collection like that. Whether it be a closet that you're going to put in temperature and humidity control into, or maybe you have a basement cellar, or maybe you know, you're just gonna rent uh, storage space uh, or wine storage space from you know, a, a storage facility that has temperature and humidity controlled uh, storage. That's what I do. Um, I actually have in my house a small 14 bottle collection uh, in a little fridge that I got off of Best Buy for I think $150. And then the majority of my cellar is actually in a temperature and humidity controlled wine storage facility about 45 minutes to an hour from my house. Um, it's really not bad. I pay like 50 bucks a month and it can fit, I think, about 24 cases. It's really great for now and until I can have more space in my house to build a proper wine cellar. It's nice because I know my wine's being stored safely and you know, it's not gonna get ruined due to improper storage. 
So maybe that's uh, kind of the path that you could take uh, if you don't have a lot of space to be storing wine in your house. So once you have your space and your budget and what kind of collection you're gonna have, we're gonna jump into more of if you're gonna be building a collection to sell later on down the road. So if that's kind of the path that you wanna take, you're really gonna need to do some research on producers and notable vintages. Uh, you kind of need to keep your personal um, tastes out of this. Obviously, if you wanna drink some, it's your collection. But if you're looking to invest and resell, make sure that you're looking on auction sites or looking at wine resale sites and seeing what sells the best, what good, great vintages are, things that you could you know, maybe buy on allocation or pre-release or futures that might be, you know, fantastic vintage that is going to be great to hold on to and resell at much higher than you bought it. Just something to consider. I'm not going to jump into all of that. Um, the one thing that I am going to say is it might be hard to recoup your money. Um, it, it really depends how the economy is doing, um, you know, the fees that auction houses take or companies that'll come in and buy your sell, seller and resell it, um, you know, they take a pretty good percentage. So just be, just be cautious of, you know, when the time comes that you want to sell, really do your research on the best way to do that. From there, um, you know, my biggest thing with a collection that you're going to be potentially reselling later down the road is you can't be afraid to open any of those bottles that you have um, to drink for yourself. You know, the time might come where, you know, maybe you're not going to get as much as you paid for a wine. Um, so you really need to be able to feel comfortable opening that bottle of wine and, and drinking it and enjoying it. Because uh, that's what wine, you know, to me, that's what wine collecting is all about. But of course, I do it more for a personal, um, personal benefit. So enough about, you know, investments and all that kind of stuff with wine, um, at, at least as far as reselling goes. If you're going to be doing it for personal reasons, to me, the most important thing is just buying things that you're going to like. At the end of the day, it's your wine collection. Yeah, you might be sharing it with friends or family, um, your significant other, but you should really pick out and buy what you like drinking. Don't worry about what other people say because it's none of their business. It's your money. It's your space that you're put, turning into a wine cellar. Fill it with things that you're going to want to drink. Um, my biggest thing with buying wine is I like, you know, to in my collection, I have a bunch of different styles of wine, meaning I've got some sparkling wine, I've got white, I've got rosé, I've got red, I've got some sweeter like dessert style ports. Um, you know, it's great to do <clears throat> pick out wines at different price points. So pick out some everyday drinking wines, you know, maybe that's 10 bucks or 20 bucks or $15. You pick out some maybe more mid range wines that you want for, you know, maybe the weekend or maybe your birthday or something that might be 50 or a hundred dollars a bottle. And then it's always great to have some really nice special occasion wines. Um, you know, something that you want to open for new year's or maybe you're having a big celebration and you want to have a really great bottle to open for your guests. 
just having different price points um, kind of allows you to be able to drink your wine at different points of the week or of the month or of the year. The other thing to consider is vintages. Um, I love buying older wines that I can then open within a year or two and really enjoy to their full you know, benefit. Um, but then I also love buying <clears throat> some newer wines that will age for five, 10, 15, 20 years um, that, you know, yeah, I can't drink them now, but it's kind of cool to buy them while they're super young and let them properly age in, you know, the cellar um, to kind of, you know, you, then when you open it in 15 or 20 years, you can say, well, I've had this for that long and, you know, I've kind of watched it blossom and watched it grow. Um, with that, you kind of need to know what wines will age for that long. You know, may, not every wine will. Just for example, um, out of my own experience, I just bought some uh, 2016 vintage Brunello de Montalcino. I know that, you know, it, it was just released in January. I bought it on allocation, so I got a little bit lower price, but I know I can't, I, I mean, I could, but it won't be, it won't reach its full potential for maybe five or 10 or 15 years, but I bought it now to hopefully, you know, be able to really enjoy in that period of time. I know Brunello ages extremely well. Um, it also is, you know, fine to drink now, but it really will reach its potential in a couple of years. The other thing I like to do is buy wines from different regions or different countries. Um, maybe you know you love Italian wine or you love French wine or you love Spanish wine. Um, you know, it's good to have a lot of that in your cellar, but it's also good to kind of branch out. Maybe buy a couple bottles of wine from a region that you don't know a lot about. It's kind of a fun way to expand your palate, expand your knowledge, and just drink some really cool wines that you wouldn't necessarily buy. Um, you know, just have fun with it. Buy what you want, buy what you like. That's the most important thing. Now, when you're actually buying wine, uh, there's a couple different ways you could go about it. Um, <clears throat> you could always buy full cases of wine. With that, you might get a cheaper price. Maybe the retailer you're buying from will give you a small discount if you buy full cases. Um, maybe you just want to buy a couple bottles of this and a couple bottles of that. You know, there's no real wrong way to go about it. I kind of do a mixture of both. I love buying full cases of things, um, you know, things that I know this is my go-to wine. I love drinking this every day. Maybe I'll buy a case of it. If it's something that's more of a special occasion or, you know, just something I'm not overly sure that I'm going to really enjoy, maybe I'll just buy two or three bottles. Um, a lot of retailers will maybe still give you a full case discount if you do a split case. So if you buy two bottles of six different wines, maybe they'll still give you a small discount. And then you have, you know, two bottles of six different wines that you can add to your collection and, you know, have a story for each of them. So now we're going to be kind of moving more towards um, some questions that you all have asked me about wine collecting, <clears throat> things of, you know, just that you were curious about. So I'm going to read a couple questions that I got, give you the answers, and, uh, you know, we'll just go from there. So the first question uh, that I received was, uh, what are a few good goals for wine collectors when they are new to collecting? So 
my my biggest thing that I can say is just buy what you like, but also buy some new things that maybe you've never had before that can expand your horizons on what you like to drink. Um, you know, just being comfortable with how much money you're spending, having a good plan of how you're going to store things. Um, and then, you know, maybe your goal initially is just to have 24 bottles of wine or 12 bottles of wine, you know, be, be comfortable with that and say, Hey, I have, you know, a wine collection, it's 12 bottles and, you know, be happy with that. Maybe your goal one day is to have a collection of 48 bottles or a hundred bottles. Um, you know, there's no time period of what, when you have to expand by, you know, it's your, whatever you're comfortable with, you know, just, have fun and drink great wine. That's kind of, you know, the, the best goal for me. The second question, how do I decide, how do I decide what to buy? Um, again, buy what you like, buy maybe some things that will age particularly well, you know, do some research on different vintages, different regions, different countries, and just, you know, see what is great to drink now so you can enjoy your collection now, but then also think about the future of your collection and, and be willing to put aside some wines that may have to age for a year or two um, and just try not to drink them. I know it's hard. Um, and that's kind of the nice thing about having, you know, the, the bulk of my cellar in another city in another state is I can put all of the things that I know need to age for some extended periods of time. And then I don't have them at my fingertips, which, you know, I could easily open up a bottle that I was hoping to save and age for a couple more years. So just buying what you like, uh, maybe try and find some great deals. Um, and again, just buy what you like, buy what you're going to want to drink because at the end of the day, it is your collection. The third the third question, I'm sorry, is um, how much wine do I need to buy to have or start a collection? There's no minimum. My biggest thing is if you're gonna have a wine collection, just make sure that your wine collection is not something that you could drink within a week or within a day. Um, you know, having a three bottle wine collection might be a little, um, you know, it's hard to, to build upon that because it might, that might be gone within a week or two weeks. Um, <clears throat> I would say starting with maybe a case is, is a good starting point. You know, again, you can find a 12 bottle or 24 bottle wine fridge for a couple hundred dollars. And you could probably start a wine collection with, you know, even, as something as simple as three or four hundred dollars, depending on how much or what kind of wine that you're buying. Um, so you don't need to have a ton of money to start a wine collection. Obviously, if you want to buy a really expensive wine and you want to have a really nice wine cellar, that stuff, you know, the, the cost of that starts to build up. But, you know, if you just want a very simple collection, 12, 24 bottles with the wine and the refrigerator, you're looking at maybe a couple hundred dollars to get started. So, you know, it's something that you need to have that spare money laying around, but it's not going to break the bank um, and you don't need to buy the most expensive or the most age worthy wines right away. Again, I'll say it and I'll say it again, buy what you like, buy what you want to drink. 
This has been such a fun podcast to record. Um, I've loved kind of sharing my knowledge that I have about wine collecting. Um, and now before we go today, I'd kind of like to share, um, you know, just a few styles of wine, a few different producers that I really enjoy. By no means does this mean you have to collect these wines, but it's kind of what I like and enjoy drinking. Um, just to kind of give you an idea of, in my opinion, what I believe ages uh, the best and, you know, kind of has the most um, widespread uh, recognition worldwide. So um, whether you're collecting for yourself and just want to buy and drink great wines, or if you're buying to potentially resell, um, I think that all of these um, are, are really great options. So some of my favorites uh, right now, um, I've been buying a lot of Brunello de Montalcino. Um, the 2016 vintage just came out. If you're unaware about Brunello, Brunello is 100% Sangiovese, which is the same grape that's used in Chianti. Um, Brunello has to be aged uh, and kept at the winery for five years and isn't released until the 5th January after harvest. So 2016 just came out um, in January. Some of my producers, uh, favorite producers are Gaia. Uh, they make a really great Brunello from the Piave Santa Restituta vineyard. Uh, I love Casanova de Neri Brunellos. Um, you know, if you can find Brunellos from 2010 or 2009, um, they're great to drink now. If you're like me, I like buying both old, so, you know, older vintages, so 10 years uh, and older, but I also love buying new Brunellos and aging them myself. I think that's a lot of fun. Um, and you can kind of, you know, if you buy six bottles, open one now, right? When you get it, open it when it's super fresh, take notes about what it tastes like, but then wait a couple of years, open another bottle, wait another couple of years, and then decide, you know, what's your, when was your favorite time to drink it? Um, it's kind of a fun, a fun thing. Um, another thing that I really love is Barolo and Barbaresco. I love Nebbiolo as a grape, and both of these um, regions are 100% Nebbiolo. Some of my favorite producers of Barolo are Renato Rotti. They make some really fantastic uh, Barolos for really not super, super expensive. They have a couple single vineyard um, wines that are pretty expensive, but they also have some more entry-level ones uh, that age really beautiful. And then for Barbaresco, I love Predatore del Barbaresco. Also very affordable. Um, the 2015 vintage was fantastic. Uh, I just bought some 2017 vintage, which I have yet to try, but I'm excited to try it. From Spain, I love Rioja. Um, I love Priorat. Uh, my favorite producer of uh, Rioja is R. Lopez de Heredia. You can find some really, really inexpensive wines from them. Um, and typically, sometimes you can find them from 2006, 2007. Um, the younger ones are great too, but they age beautifully. Um, and the longer they age, the more, to me, elegant and, you know, the earthiness kind of comes forward and it's a really fantastic wine. For uh, California lovers uh, or, or West Coast wine lovers in the United States, uh, some of my favorite are Component in Napa, um, which my last podcast was with Michael Kennedy. So um, he's the proprietor of, of Component, so check him out. I love Stag's Leap. Uh, and then for Oregon wines, I love um, Argyle. 
They make a really fantastic uh, champagne style sparkling wine. And then their Pinots are super elegant and super delicious. So check those out. Um, another style that I really love is I love Bordeaux blends. You don't always have to go and find wines that classify under a Bordeaux blend in Bordeaux. Tuscany makes some great examples. I believe they're making some examples in California. Um, so check out Super Tuscans, Bordeaux blends, uh, really great blends of uh, uh, Cabernet, Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, Merlot. Sometimes there's Petit Verdot and Malbec in there as well. I also love Mosul and German Rieslings just in general. Um, Riesling is a great varietal that ages extremely well. So you can buy it young, drink it young, but also if stored properly. Um, I've had some Rieslings that are, you know, about 20 years old. Uh, they change a lot and they definitely oxidize and get kind of this nutty petrol quality to them, but they're also fantastic. Um, I love Chablis. Um, I'm, I'm a big Chardonnay person. Um, I'm not a big oaked California Chardonnay, but I do love more old world style Chardonnays. So think about... Um, you know, Chablis, they make some great examples in Italy. Um, so, and Chardonnay also, if made properly and made in a little bit um, higher quality, can age also very well. And then just another thing to kind of have in your cellar is some rosé. Um, you know, rosé is kind of a, a really great summer wine, but it's also great, just a great food wine in general. Um, it's a great kind of mid palate wine. So if you're eating something that maybe is a little bit more robust than you'd normally pair with a white wine, rosé is a great option if it's not quite bold enough to be paired with a red. Um, you can find some great rosés in France. Uh, my personal favorite is Tormoresca Califioria from Puglia, Italy. Uh, it's 100% Negro Amaro. So um, you know, rosé is always good to have on hand. Um, and typically they say that rosé doesn't age. Um, I've had some rosés that were 10 years old and they're fantastic. Again, you just have to find uh, some producers that, you know, make rosés that are meant to age. So these are some of my suggestions, kind of what I like buying, um, what I find myself buying a lot of. Um, I hope you all enjoy buying and collecting. I hope that this podcast might have helped in some way. Um, you know, feel free to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. Ratings really help us kind of grow and build a better podcast for you all. So I hope you all enjoyed. Um, stay tuned for our next episode next week um, and stay safe. I'm not going to